want us just to share um, with our time left together this morning um, just something from Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to just read a few verses from the very end of that chapter, a story that will be familiar to some of you, um, where Jesus comes to the the home of Mary and Martha. Uh, Marky and I were away with uh, a load of our ministers uh, for our ministers' conference this week, and uh, uh, he was talking about this coming Sunday and said that you uh, really, ideally, would like the focus to be under this umbrella heading simply prayer, because that's the, the series you're on and the prayer week starts week. So as he was talking, he was kind of at the same time saying, so what are you going to be doing? I was thinking, well, come on, I'm only just hearing about it. But I said, well, you know, obviously I can talk about somewhere in the Bible uh, that focuses on prayer. But I found myself saying, well, I'll probably do something on the Lord's Prayer. Or what about Mary and Martha? Um, And um, that wasn't a commitment on my part, but that, in a sense, is interesting that this is where I've landed this morning. So these few verses, and let me then share with you one or two things that I hope will be um, encouraging uh, to your uh, life of prayer, but also challenging as well. Uh, So from verse 38, this is the story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, I just wonder how easy you find it to listen to God. Talking about prayer, there's a load of facets. If, if, if I could just practice a fraction of the books on my bookshelves about prayer, which, you know, is probably, oh, that's just one shelf. There's probably another one as well, probably out here. Um, My prayer life would look different to the reality that it actually is most of the time. And I guess those of us who have been Christians for any length of time could probably say, similar kind of things. This is one of those areas where we quite easily tend towards feeling guilty that we should be doing more and should be doing better and all those kind of things. Essentially, though, prayer is really just the expression or an expression of our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? And so that's why I think I wanted or it just came to me really that this is not a bad place to start. Conley, if you go into the, to the next slide, I guess this will probably be familiar to some of you who take a, a kind of a Vermeer's painting of uh, this particular episode in the life of Jesus. Jesus at the home of Martha and uh, Mary. So um, some of you, what was that masterpiece game, wasn't it? Some of you are probably sitting there thinking, 
well, I recognise the painting, but I haven't got a clue who painted it. Well, that's kind of me, but I've had the opportunity to prepare for this, so I'm kind of one step ahead of you, really. But as far as we know, this was interesting to me, as far as we know, this is the only uh, religious painting, if you like, that Vermeer painted. Um, I would love to know why, but um, Girl with a Pearl Earring? more familiar to some of you, that's one of his. What he tended to do is paint ordinary scenes, very, very ordinary scenes. And I just wonder whether that's the reason why this particular episode in the story of Jesus grabbed his attention. But all I want to do at this point really is just, uh, hopefully you are looking at it as already, but having just looking at those three characters there, their poses and their posture, just to ask you the question... Who do you identify with this morning? And I'm particularly asking that question in relation to your relationship with God. What in your heart, as it were, what's your posture, your heart attitude, your um, connection with, with God this morning? Is it, is it that that would be more akin to Martha, busy about doing things, actually saying, God, I'm here this morning, what do you want me to do for you? Do anything. Is it Mary's kind of, as it says in the passage that we've read, sitting, listening at the feet of Jesus? Or maybe, maybe just some of you are thinking, well, actually... I see my posture, my pose as being that of Jesus himself. And maybe this will challenge you a little bit to uh, change your gaze this morning. Now, um, this whole chapter, Luke chapter 10, you will have picked up probably uh, some of the astute amongst you that 72, which is the umbrella name for our missional network, comes from the beginning of this chapter when Jesus sends out 72 others to every town and place where he himself was about to go. It, the chapter as a whole, I would say, and that particular passage of Jesus sending out the, the 72 has been the most influential in my life in, in recent years. And there are three main episodes in this chapter and I would suggest that together they form part of the radical calling of Jesus for each of us to follow him in different ways but together they form a very challenging picture to us so you thought that being sent out as Jesus puts it at the beginning of this chapter as he says like lambs amongst wolves that was challenging Enough. Jesus ends that particular part in verse 23 by saying this. He says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So then you get to a story like Mary and Martha where Mary is at the feet of Jesus listening and you begin to hear echoes of Jesus saying, my disciples are of the most blessed people on the face of the earth because 
You are here what others do not hear. You don't hear very easily unless you're in that place, that posture of listening, do you? So you need to take that with you. You need to bring that. Then the next episode, sandwiched between Jesus sending the 72 out and this particular story is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Begins with the expert in the law saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus begins the parable saying, do this, do all those things. Love God with everything you have, all that you have, and your neighbour as yourself and all the rest of it. Do this and you will live. And he ends the parable by saying, go and do likewise. And then you get to Mary and Martha. And isn't that what Martha's doing? Isn't that what she's trying to do? Isn't she trying to love God and love Jesus as a neighbour and do it all? Busy, busy, busy. Now I want to suggest to you that what we get in this little cameo, this little story with Mary and Martha, and the call of Jesus is even more radical than being sent out like lambs amongst wolves or doing the kind of stuff that the Good Samaritan did. Because without listening and consequently hearing the voice of Jesus, we'll not get to any of those other, other places. Now, um, the typical assumption for many people is that this story is all about the fact that we're different people, some of us are activists, some of us are more contemplative, and um, it's just a matter of who we are, it's a question of finding a balance. And that essentially was Martha's problem, that she didn't uh, start at the feet of Jesus. But I want to suggest to you, if that's been your sort of common understanding, that the real problem wasn't workload for Martha. It wasn't the workload in the kitchen. No doubt that was really important and very real to her, as no doubt those of you who have brothers and sisters will recognise the fact that her sister was not where she was. She felt that she was doing everything, her sister was doing nothing. Neither is that really the real crux of the upset from Martha's point of view. I think the real problem for Martha was seeing her sister, as it would have seemed to her, putting herself in a place that was not her place. She was putting herself into a relationship with Jesus, their friend, glimpses perhaps of their Messiah by this point, that was not her business. You see, Mary's problem, from Martha's point of view, was Mary was behaving as if she were a man. Then, culturally, as in many parts of the world to this day, houses were divided into male space and to female space. And the roles that they took on were 
dished out along similar lines, as you can well imagine. There was a very real boundary within the household, as there was within the wider social world, and women were allowed to inhabit, to dwell, to exercise their service and their gifts and all the rest of it within their boundary, but woe betide them if they stepped over the boundary lines, if they stepped over the mark. Now at this point Mary is in the public room, which really meant the male room. Because that's where the men would meet. That's where the men would discuss. That's where the serious business took place. The kitchen and other quarters seen by outside, unseen by outsiders, they were the women's domain. So for a woman to sit comfortably at the feet, bear in mind we're not just talking about a man. We're not just talking about a rabbi as Jesus was seen, a teacher of the law of God, but at the feet of the Messiah was bordering on, well, it wasn't just bordering on, but when you get into that kind of language, it was scandalous and it was going to be seen as scandalous. Who does Mary think she is? Only a shameless woman would behave in such a way. So in Martha's Martha's view, Mary should get back to where she belonged. And of course, sitting at the feet of a rabbi, as Jesus was, was a decidedly male role. So this posture, this posture of Mary should not be seen as we could be in danger of seeing it today, simply of a woman looking up, gazing into the eyes of the celebrity figure, the man, the dominant one. To sit at the feet of a rabbi was something you only did if you wanted to be a rabbi. To sit at the feet of a rabbi was the place that you only sat if you wanted to be their disciple, their follower. To sit listening was the only place you sat if you wanted not just to hear what they had to say but to put it into action. Some of you will know that when the word hear is used in scripture, especially throughout the Old Testament, someone was only seen and understood to have heard the word of God if they had not just listened to it, but they had begun to put it into action, if it was already becoming embodied in who they were. The only point of listening to God was that they might, as we might, become more like him in our actions, in our attitudes, in everything that makes up our lives. Mary is quietly taking her place as a would-be teacher and proclaimer of the kingdom of God. And that's basically my point this morning. I've got three things of application that I'll just whip through in a moment or two. But that, I would suggest, is the place Jesus doesn't just welcome Mary in, but wants to usher us all into. And the challenge for us all, I think, is what is our posture? What is the place I am in, in my relationship with God? So, 
Three challenges then. Next side, Colin, is how much priority do I place on welcoming Jesus? I'm using that word welcoming there because I think Luke in his gospel sees this as one of the big motifs of the whole gospel. It's not, a, the, the whole theme of it is salvation. What does salvation mean? What does it mean for Jesus to rescue us? What does it mean to be ushered in, to be caught up and to embrace God's salvation? And I think this word welcome is a word that Luke would identify with very much. And one of the points, I think the main thing is that he's trying to get on over at this point is that our welcoming of Jesus is not as simple as Martha saying, come into my home and I will do for you whatever you will. Unless we listen to understand what it is that Jesus is asking me, you, to do for him, then we are in danger of just setting out to walk over the hills into the midst without taking a compass bearing. Consequently, we know not, 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 are neither where we are nor where we are headed. The contrast between Mary and Martha is, I suggest, in how they welcome Jesus. The good news is you don't have to pray sitting like Mary. But if your prayer life, if your relationship with God does not resemble Mary's posture inwardly, then you will take the risk, as I take the risk, of making Martha's mistake. Um, Personally, I would say it's not just a question I take the risk, but I make the mistake of Martha time and time again. One of the main uh, challenges, I think, is that we don't see welcoming Jesus as leaving us in a static place. But it's the attitude of our heart tomorrow, Wednesday evening, Friday lunchtime, Saturday afternoon, wherever we are, wherever we are whoever we are with. Am I in that posture attitude in relationship to God where I can welcome him? Welcome what he has to say to me in whatever situation, whatever relationship, whatever encounter with another human being I am in. Is that the kind of relationship I have where wherever I am found... I am not embarrassed to say, Lord, what do you have to say to me in this situation? Isaiah 55, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word, God says, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So what is God's word to you this morning? What is it you're picking up from Jesus? And it may be, as was prayed earlier somewhere, it may be from the front, it may be from the person sitting next to you, it may be over coffee could be in one of the songs, one of the prayers. What is it Jesus is communicating to you? 
What are you listening to? What are you hearing? If the word, as Isaiah says, it does not return to God without achieving its purpose, how will it do that if you don't just listen but allow it to become part of you? Moving on, the next point, just challenges. How much am I distracted from the focus of serving Jesus? You see, I'd like to say that Martha doesn't get it all wrong. But I do sense that Jesus' challenge to Martha will be a challenge to most of us, if not all of us. It's perfectly possible, isn't it? And I'm going to put my hand up first of all here. It's perfectly possible to be busy serving away, even in the name of Jesus, thinking that we're doing it all for him and yet miss the point. Am I actually doing? Am I practicing? Am I working out my life in God in response to what he has actually called me to be? And to do. Doing is critical. The Good Samaritan makes that point. But unless it arises out of having heard from God, that's the point. And I'd suggest Luke is including this at the main point because already in the early church, when he was putting the bits of his gospel together, he got that problem of people willing to listen and willing to hear the word of God, but not actually practice it, not put their faith in following Jesus. And I know what it is to to do this kind of thing, to make this kind of mistake. And I make it time and time again. You would think, I've been a Christian for over 35 years, that I've I've actually learnt by by now. But no, I haven't. See, I'm the kind of person, I am a bit more wired, like Martha, than I am Mary in those terms. When I think I know what God wants me to do, I'm up and at it. If I sense God wants me to do something, I'll go and do it. That's fine if it's something small, if it's something little, like going round the corner and knocking the door of one of my neighbours because I'd heard that he'd not been very well recently. But if it's something that's got a bit of a, a longer length of life time span to it, then the danger with me is I remember what God said to me on day one, but two weeks, three weeks, three months in, I'm busy, busy, busy doing and thinking, why isn't this working quite as well as I thought it would be? Oh, perhaps I need to listen to God. Perhaps I've moved away from that place. And of course you realise I'm talking about myself, so when I say perhaps, yeah, I have. It's okay, it's only me. Let's move on to the final point, just this last challenge. How intentional am I about hearing Jesus? Now, whether this is a challenge for you to get along to one of the opportunities to pray together this week and prayer week or not, I leave with you. Where I do think it applies to each and every one of us is the challenge to us in our own individual relationship with God. How intentional am I? Um, I was just hearing uh, just uh, uh, two or three weeks ago, one of our ministers wasn't in our area up in London, um, moved to uh, a a church. It was his first church, just recently come out of uh, Spurgeon's College. Uh, The minister of a church, difficult place. Not unusual for the kind of churches a lot of people go to when they leave one of our Baptist colleges. Fairly elderly, fairly small, fairly struggling. Anyway, one way or another, he'd managed to gather a youth group, youth club rather, sort of getting up 60, 70 people on a Friday evening. And he had this conviction from God that he needed to be more intentional about preaching the gospel. Don't know what he meant 
by that in terms of the format in which he presented it. But he, he got that conviction, I need to preach the gospel to these young people. I don't know whether he did it in five minutes in the middle of youth club or what happened. But one way or another, about a handful of these young people became Christians and started attending uh, the Sunday services and became part of the church. And so a few weeks later, just near the beginning of this year, one of the young lads, about 15, came up to him on uh, one Sunday and said, I've been reading about this thing called tongues in the Bible. What's that all about? So we tried to explain it in a few words. And he said, well, I can pray with you. you know, if you want to receive this gift, you know, I can pray with you. So they did that on the Sunday in church and nothing happened. So this young lad, a bit disillusioned, a bit upset and a bit annoyed, went off to school the next day. And when he's there, one of his mates says, what are you doing over the weekend? So he said, well, he said he thought, oh, no. Um, but what he said, what he found himself saying, he said, well, I, I, I've been to church. And his friend was really surprised. What, you go to church? Why do you do that? And what he found himself saying again was, well, I've discovered that God is all-powerful. Inside, apparently, he confesses to his minister later that inside he's thinking, I'm not sure I believe this because I asked God for this thing called tongues yesterday and he hasn't even done that kind of thing. And so he's going through this conversation and his friend says, asks him another question, he says, and when did you learn to speak Urdu? Now, at this point, the guy who's the Christian is really confused. So he says, what do you mean? He said, well, you've been speaking to me in Urdu for the past few minutes. And I don't know how the story's ended up, but I do know that his Urdu-speaking friend is going along to church with him. And I share that at this point, because this is about simply prayer, for two reasons. One is, it arose out of the need to someone to be intentional or realise they need to be intentional. And I want to suggest to you, without intentionality, without your intention to commit to listening to Jesus more regularly, more frequently, or for a longer period of time, however you want to pan it out in your life, it's likely that nothing much is going to change. But the other reason I share that story is that I think God speaks to us and pours his grace, his gifts, his mercy, and all the rest of it into us, much more for us to allow him to express outside these four walls than inside. How intentional am I about hearing Jesus? If you're frustrated about the lack of responses you're getting, I'm just wondering whether it might be because the questions you are asking have more to do with your life in the confines of the church, in the broadest sense of the word, don't mean brick walls, maybe, than his mission that he's sending you out on as lambs amongst wolves outside. I also want to just end by suggesting that prayer begins with listening, but it must not end in that place. The last slide is what we call our discipleship cycle. Begins with listening very often. Can start anywhere, but listening's always got to come into it. But it leads to the place of learning. And that word we translate disciple in the New Testament, the place that Mary was welcomed into, 
by Jesus is the place of the disciple, the place of learning. To be and do all that God spoke to her. Amen.